What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. I'm your host, Jack Taylor, as always, joined by Jason and Brock as well. Joining you here in the middle of the week as we try to get, we were trying to let some of the craziness go past at the end of the season. You know, you get your offseason splurge of whatever the heck's going to go down, your retirements, your firings, your signings, let everyone clean out their locker. And we wanted to see what was going to happen after that. And, uh, we it's what happened what we expected a whole lot of nothing a whole lot of nothing's happened except for us talking about what we might want to do and of course us deciding to win a last a, a late season game to take us luckily didn't take us out of the top 10 uh, the way everything fell but uh definitely looked like it was going to there at, at about four four oh five when we won that game at, at some point i stopped caring and i was like uh when donta got ejected i i stopped caring and i was like i want to win this game I hope Donta goes down fighting. He said, "Meet me, meet me in the in the locker room, or meet me in the tunnel, or whatever." Oh, that got me so hyped up! I wanted to win that game. I wanted to sweep the Saints. It felt good. I, I wish I could find Cam, uh, Cam Jordan's address so I could send him a broom. I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, really excited. I just I don't yeah. care. Lost a couple spots. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, I think we needed to win that last game to go out on a good note. Um, it felt good to sweep the Saints to your point, Brock. But even more so than that, I mean, it really solidified what Wilkes has done for this team. If you were able to watch any of the post-game interviews or, or film that was done inside the locker room, the guys were super pumped. The guys were super great, super grateful. The guys are pumped for next season. I mean, the game was ugly. The only category we won in was in the rushing yards, and we only won by like close to about 30 yards. I think it was like 171 to like 143 or something like that versus the rushing, the receiving. Everything else was pretty much even. So, I mean, the game was what it, what we expected it to be. I think end of the day, I think we needed to go out with the win because if you think of think back to the past couple of seasons with Matt Fool as the coach, we lost. We ended the season on a down note, and his whole speech was around, oh, well, it's just a, it's, a, it's a work in progress, and we're going to get better next year. You're going to see the progress next year. And with Wilkes coming in when we were one and four and doing what he did, you got to tip your hat to the man. I mean, the man did the job, and he did it very, very well. Absolutely. And you talk to anyone in that Charlotte area. My dad was, you know, we know Jeff obviously works in Charlotte as a reporter and a sports anchor. So he's getting, he was there when they were cleaning out their lockers. And he, he called me after hearing, uh, you know, Wilkes last speech. And he was like, look at, if they don't sign this man, that it's, it's a mistake. Like he said, he's like, I would run through a brick wall for that man. And just the way that he presents himself and carries himself and, and is just a leader of men. Now I will say for Dante Norman, if you didn't think he should have been re-signed by now, that, Getting ejected in that game, I I know it could look like being a hothead, but the fact of the matter is he's played one game against the Saints and is already coming at the rivalry with that kind of intensity and that kind of like go screw yourself. That sign him right there. He he yep. knows what it, he knows what it's about. We haven't seen mm-hmm. a, a any tenacity like that against the Saints since like 2015. So I was all for that. But you know, talking about looks, we talk about you said you know just needing to sign the man, and it's apparent if what we believe to be true and it was reported and confirmed about a small group of players going and talking to Tepper directly and having a peaceful conversation to say, look at, you got to hire this man. That should tell you all you need to know about who we should be hiring come, you know, yeah. come whenever, whenever it goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I think, I think too, with that too, I mean, if you'd watch the speech at the end of the game, right. You saw Wills give his, his hoorah speech at the end. They gave the ball to Eddie. He deserved it. He, he, he completed what needed to be done in Atlanta what was it, week seven or whatever it was, then you turn around and you have um, 
the players give Wilkes the ball, right? The players talk about how he brought them back, how he brought this group together, how this group played well together, how they played for him, and they gave him a game ball. If that doesn't solidify, plus the meeting, Jack, that you just mentioned that we talked about, the man did what needs to be done. And I think Wilkes has what it takes to take us to the next level. This is one of those defining decisions that we need to make. Like, not only just for the fact that we played well with Wilkes. I mean, obviously, the guys like him. And if you have a coach that you want to play for, it makes things a lot easier to get up and go to practice every day. So I think that if we don't solidify this, that just shows that as a team and as an organization, we're not paying attention. Tepper's not paying attention. Nobody is really getting to the issues here. So we need to lock down Wilkes. If a guy like Derek Brown, I know he's young, but he's one of those guys that's going to relay messages from the coaching staff to the, to the guys on the team. He's a, a captain and a star on our team. If he's saying that all the guys want Steve Wilkes, I don't think he's talking out of his ass there. I think that he actually has some, some backup behind that. I, we, if we don't lock him down within the next, like but maybe before the Super Bowl or short after the Super Bowl, I think that we're going to – I know we have to look around, but it, unless we get Sean Payton, unless we get a Sean Payton caliber guy – I, I, there's no question Steve Wilkes is, is the, the head of the head coach of the Panthers. And I think it speaks more to it where like you could talk about, you know, the, you could talk about the meeting and talk about, it's one thing if Wilkes was a assistant coach from this, the time rule got here, then it would, you know, you'd have a bit more reasoning as to why these guys were behind him so much. Okay. He's been there for five years. He's been grinding as an assistant coach. He deserves it. He's been with them for one season he just joined and this is what these guys already think about them the only one who even had any sort of interaction with him beforehand would have been Shaq JJ and and Josh Norman only people that would have even had any sort of interaction with him at the time and I don't even think come to think of it Shaq would have had that interaction I'm trying to remember if he would have or not yeah Shaq, Shaq, Shaq would have had him his rookie year maybe. yeah that's right he would have had his rookie year because he I always for I always forget when Shaq was drafted he always mm-hmm. is, he came in at always such a weird time for me um, but yeah, so that's the thing. That's another thing is that he did not have this relationship built with these guys. He built it in eight weeks as the head coach. And that should tell you all, you know, all you need to know. And then it comes, like you said, in this last game, going out on a win, fighting for those last games, not just letting it happen and, and wrapping up in a good way. Now it came at a price and we can sidebar here real quick before we talk more about coaches and talk about the price that it came with in terms of Corbin tearing his ACL week 18 that's going to have a lot of implications going into the draft and into the offseason. And then not only that, and it shouldn't be as long or as big, but Bradley Bozeman breaking his foot. That's not yep. great either. Two of your, your two of your staple line and the most consistent and healthy offensive line we've had to date, <laughs> losing two of them in the last game going into the offseason. Bozeman should be all right getting into before we get into anything. I don't think it'll be that bad. But Corbett, he, you know, he had a quiet stability and a quiet impact. You know, we talked about obviously. Um, I'm not sorry, not Bozeman. Uh, he didn't break his, uh, his foot. I'm sorry. Uh, Brady Christensen broke yeah. his foot, not Bozeman. Bozeman, we talked about. Obviously, Icky had a very quiet, reliable, net needed, you know, rookie year that really solidified the sense in that pick. And then we mm-hmm. knew what we were going to have from Taylor Moten. He's become somehow the quote unquote worst lineman on, on a good line, even though that's not what he defines himself as at all or is what he plays like. But that is something that is going to have implications going forward in the offseason. And it's going to be something to look at as we keep going forward. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, with that ninth pick, I mean, you know what I'm looking for. I want the tight end out of Georgia. Outside of that, you know, I, if, if there's not a quarterback there, I don't want us reaching for for Bennett. 
I don't want us reaching for anything that is a what if. I want us to move forward. I mean, let's go back to what you were talking about, Jack. I mean, and even you, Brock. Dante Foreman came out online, said he wants to stay in Carolina. Shaq says he wants to run it back. He likes the core. I mean, these are these are critical players that play for our team who are coming out. They've been 100% candid about how they feel. To your point, Brock, Derrick Brown being a youngin, coming out saying what he said. And let's be 100% honest. Josh Norman came in, created a fire, but Josh Norman really came back for Steve Wilkes. I don't think he would have gotten a look if it wasn't for Steve Wilkes going to Federer saying, listen, Dante's out. We need we need to go get somebody. I know somebody that's at home that's played for us that can come and play. He so, wasn't even at home. He was at, he was at a Starbucks. He was yeah. at Starbucks. Right, right. Coffee shop. Exactly, exactly. So, so – yeah, yeah. So, so all of that being said, I think the building blocks that we saw from the time Matt Fool left until Wilkes came into the leadership role, I think it shows Tepper. It shows the rest of the organization. This is the avenue that we need to take. I'm willing and I'm 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 bought in on giving Wilkes the job because I think if you go any other way, you're gonna lose the momentum we gained in the last seven to eight weeks man and and that will be detrimental to our future as for the draft capital jack i'm with you i think those linemen those linemen injuries definitely present a problem i would rather go tight end first get one of these blue chip tight ends but we've got brock, seven picks brock bowers we, isn't available though the, the georgia guy he's not a he's uh got one more year he does so that's a big that's a big yeah i looked it up last night when I was watching the game, because I mean, he's he was all over. He's a screen. beast. Yeah, he's, he's a I beast. mean, he's a freak. Uh, he, but I, I looked it up and I was really upset when I found out that he wasn't going to be there. Yeah, mm. the one the one they were touting is the dude from Notre Dame, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at him. Yes, not mad at him. But and not at nine though. At nine, no, I don't no, know not nine. No, yeah. no. I mm. uh, that a tight end at nine is not something I think he can do. I think, and and part of me goes, you know, you get another defensive staple but then i because it's worked out so well for in the past but when it from what i saw week you know week 18 amari barno dude what what where was this what, like, what do you mean where was he? he's six six two forty five and runs a four three six i'm saying why wasn't he on the field i i mean the same thing with donta i mean they were trying to do the thing with Yator. there's they're teaching him how to play football i i think that he was late into football i think he only started playing in high school or late, like late high school so he's raw he's he's got some room to grow i think that they're fixing him up watch out for him next year he's gonna be a beast yeah. they might even try to pack 30 20 more pounds on him slow him down a bit but he's gonna be insane next year i i guarantee he'll have a spot on the starting or rotating defensive line and then couple you see what we did. You see, you see what we did with the signings too. I mean, they re-signed Rishi, they re-signed a couple of people off the practice squad that are gonna come in and make some make some definite impacts, I think, next year. So again, we've got homegrown talent that I think that we have we have a good a good nucleus to work with. I think so too. And you even got guys that we still haven't even touched on. Brandon Smith. We haven't seen anything from him. We haven't gotten any exposure to him, and we still don't know what he could utilize be utilized for. And then, you know, defensive backs is still another thing to go to, but I I wince at taking a defensive back that high when you think look at guy you know obviously jc worked out but that was you know that is uh, not the it does an outlier because I'm, I'm always afraid of a jeff akuda kind of situation where you get something like that now you have these other instances where it does work and it does work out fine but i think it gets to the point where at nine you go best available now best available could be quarterback it could the pieces could fall 
I just don't know if it's worth trading up for to get a quarterback. No. I, I don't think in this draft it is. And I don't like if, if we're going to attach all everything to Will Levis. I'm, Never. No, I'm out. So then I think it comes down, you get best available and then, and go from there and see, and, and you get your best available player. And that could mean, you know, I wouldn't be, I would not be mad about shoring up your offensive line one more time, getting another lineman, getting someone, getting someone to line up with it. I mean, running back you have, because the problem is that the thing about it is, is a lot of your needs can be filtered to the second and third round. And there are a lot of good guys that could sit in those needs in the second and third round. If you want a running back, if you want a tight end, if you want a defensive back to kind of shore things up, but that's it for me, almost the second round pick is almost even more pivotal than that first round pick, especially right now, because like, like, you know, the first round pick we could utilize for would be your quarterback, you know, wide receiver. I think we're set right now running back. I don't, wouldn't want to take number nine on a running back that high up. You wouldn't want to do that in the slightest. Wow. And the one that I would do would be cornerback, but that still really, really scares me at number nine, and especially there's, in this class. Yeah, there's not a guy that I'm willing to yeah. take at nine as a DB. I honestly think that we have a chance of – I know we don't normally do this, but a tra- uh, not with the first pick at least, but I think we might trade back. I, I think we will too. Spinner has been very, very – he's done that consistently. And, and it's yeah. like you were saying, you know – when you have that many picks, when you have that many needs that could be filled in the second round or the late first round, guys that aren't going to be taken, exactly. it, would make, it would make more sense for you. I, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, there, there, I think too. I think, I think too. Though we do, we do need to discuss that wide receiver. We need one more deep threat, right? We can't just everybody's going to zero in on DJ now. He's had another breakout year. Um, almost got to a thousand yards. I think he's right underneath it at around nine nine hundred nine fourteen or something like that on the year. Um, I think I think we do need to get another deep threat. TMJ is coming along. I see him being much more effective and in, in, in coming into his own, but he's still got much more room to grow in that space. We definitely need another deep threat to to definitely show up that wide receiver core. So if at nine we get there and there's a few out there that we could go for, I think we could do that. But to your point, I, I do think that trading back is attractive, not out of the first round, but definitely in that second and third round piece mm-hmm. where, where we would be able to trade back and maybe even facilitate some trades for some core people that we could get that may have a little bit of veteran uh, veteran historical uh, play, you know, that we could definitely use on our, on our team. Yeah. With, with the, with the Niners picks that we have, there's a lot of capital that we can work with. I mean, we just saw, two trade or a trade between AJ Brown or for AJ Brown with a first round pick. And we saw Marquise Brown with a first round pick. So there's a chance that if we want that deep threat wide receiver, and there's a guy that we'd like that we go get him. I mean, that that's right. a possibility right there. Cause I mean, I'm not ready to jump the gun on Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison at pick nine. So uh, what I'm thinking is either we trade that pick for an already established wide receiver, or if a guy like Earl Anderson or drops the nine, something like that, some wild scenario that we're going to trade back towards like 16 and get uh, a lineman or some kind of defensive player, hopefully a linebacker, because Jesus Christ, our, our linebacker, our linebacking core has been awful since uh, yes, yeah, so, Davis and Luke left. It's been it, it's been embarrassing. Just the, the the fall from grace in terms of having the best linebacking core out there to then having literally what is one of the most embarrassing linebacking or just not even embarrassing, but just ineffective. Now I will say though, with those 49ers picks, I'll throw every single one of those 49ers picks at 
well, maybe not everyone, but I would throw a good amount of them over at Justin Fields if the Bears really want. If the Bears are really trying to get away with that, I would you throw would, every single one of them at the Bears right no, now. And I don't right know. Two through five, you wouldn't th- trade two through five. Why not? Look what we have. Like we have nothing. I mean, at least he can run. It's like Baker, but he can run. I'm not bought in on Justin Fields yet. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. Um, I liked. I think he has a talent. I think there's some still some things that he he needs to truly work through, and it could be just the fact that he plays for the freaking Bears, right? That could just, that could that that could definitely be it. And I, I think that he is a a true talent and has true potential. However, in looking at who we may bring in as OC, because if McAdoo is there, we up we're up we're up the creek again. Um, so once we get that in, in place and we're able to see what sort of methodology our OC that we bring in, who he is as a person, I think that that would then solidify what kind of quarterback we're looking for. Um, I don't know if Justin Fields fits the mold for that um, in that he's much more of a Cam Newton-ish. He has much, he has, he has, a, he has, a, he has a better arm in my opinion. But I still think he has Ooh. a lot of bonus. Um Ooh. Justin Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Don't be talking about Cam like that. Cam has uh, Cam accuracy wise, bro. Accuracy, 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 no, accuracy wise. Okay. Justin Fields okay. is better. Before TJ stripped his life away from him, he had an arm. I just want to put not that accurate down. though, bro. Not accurate though. Yeah. He damn near killed Steve Smith. That's why Steve Smith went to Baltimore. Besides that's why, like we, that's why we only ran drags and slants for six years. <laughs> Jesus. But you speak to that point again. That's where, like I said, we need to take care of this before the draft comes about. Because if we don't take this care of this before the draft comes up, then we are, you know, what are we going to do? It doesn't matter what, how many cap, how many picks we have, what kind of capital we have. We, we're screwed here because we have no idea what the hell's going on with our offensive coordinator. Um, and so I really don't know what all that's going to entail. And so we take a look at the list of the guys we've got you know, that we're talking to. And it's a pretty interesting group of guys. Jason, I'll let you give some sort of, in, some of your insight on some of the candidates that we've been talking to so far. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, like we were like, like you and I kind of mentioned earlier on, you know, I know Harbaugh is the big name out there. I just don't think he fits the culture. I don't think that he's going to get the guys rallied around him in the way that we've already got them. I'm not too bought in on Steichen. He's got Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's Jalen Hurts, right? Um, my man out of the Lions, I think his last name is Johnson. He's got Jared Goff. I'm I'm not too sold or bought in on him. Um, Frank Wright, eh, you know, I'm here or there with him. And then, you know, Caldwell, I think, is a little bit too too many years uh, displaced from the NFL. I think he's not too much still into the fold of it. Um, so for me, Ken Dorsey is not ready yet, in my opinion. Um, I think it's too new for him, even though he does have ties to the Panthers. For me, my ideal coaching scenario would be Wilkes at the helm. You bring, you go get Pep Hamilton since he's not going to have a job at the Texans. I and you bring I, Pep Hamilton as the OC. You keep Holcomb as the DC, but then Wilkes, you go take Luke Keekley fishing, and then you take him to go eat a five-star dinner, and then you offer him the linebackers coaching job. Then you go out and you get Buckner and you bring him in and work underneath Holcomb for that D-line. And then you you work with Pep Hamilton on filling out the rest of that offensive side of the ball. That's the ideal situation. I will, I will say this, Brock, you made a great point. If we don't sign Steve Wilkes, 
he will have a job either at the Texans. And I could actually see him maybe even messing around. I don't think he would go back to the Cardinals, but there's going to be some other jobs popping up that may be able to, to help him get a get back into the league. But I would rather see him in a Carolina, in a Carolina polo alongside Pep Hamilton. Yeah, I, I definitely think that he's the guy that we needed at the head coach. I mean, I don't know if he's the best strategical coach out there that we could possibly get, but that's not always what football's about. You need the – like, he's a player's coach. He's a guy that, that people like. Like, if he's nothing else, that's what he is. I, I, I don't know much about his defensive schemes, but I, I, I know the guys like him, so I'm on his side. But I'm looking at Brian Johnson. This uh, article says that Brian Johnson is a guy that we could get on that team. If he's doing that with Jalen Hurts, who I think is terrible. Um, no, no, Johnson's out of uh, Detroit. Steichen is the one with Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's Deuce Staley is, is the guy you're thinking of. Uh, the, no, no, he's right. Eagles OC is Shane Steichen. Ben oh, Johnson. Ben Johnson uh, is Lions. No, yeah, Deuce Staley is the court. Is Brian, it, is it, I don't know who Brian. I don't know who Brian Johnson is. Ben Johnson is Eagles. I don't, Are you talking about Brian Johnson from the Giants? It says he's on the Eagles. Is he the defensive coordinator? No, I'm looking at it's OC. I'm looking I, at OCs, but I. What article are you looking at? Um, fan side. It was posted like a week ago. Oh no, nah, I think you're thinking about. So there is two Johnsons out there, right? The Johnson that they're talking about coming to us. Is the Johnson out of the Lions? Steichen is the one. Oh, okay. The, the Eagles, but there is another Johnson. I do believe that is up for a head head coaching request, and he's out of the Giants. And I don't know I've whether seen, he's the OC to dabble, dabble or not. But the list um, that I've seen yeah. is the list that I've seen is Wilkes, Jim Caldwell, yep. Ken Dorsey, yep. Shane Steichen, yep. Mike Mike Kafka, and Ben Johnson. Mm, yeah, and the thing is, so Caldwell went yesterday. Wilkes with today. Reich is going to interview. We haven't gotten approval for Johnson or Steichen yet. Um, I know they've been requested, but they haven't been approved yet. So we're kind of in that to your point, which you were talking about, Jack, before we came on, was that holding pattern that we, we've been talking about. Um, you know, that's the big thing right now. And again, like I said, I no disrespect to Caldwell. I think he did a phenomenal job in Detroit. I think he did a phenomenal job with the Indianapolis Colts. But at the end of the day, I just think he's too far removed from the NFL these last, what, two to three years that I just don't see him coming in making that big of an impact um, that I would like to see for our organization and where we are. I agree. He's also 67 years old. So that, to mm -hmm. me, is a bit of an issue. I mean, age doesn't have as much. But when you're other guys, Shane Steichen's 37. Dorsey's – Steichen is 37. <laughs> Dorsey's 41. We thought he was the young one. Kafka's 35. And then, mm -hmm. you know, Wilkes is, is 53. And you don't really necessarily put numbers into it as big as you do, but it, you do to a point. Um, to me, Caldwell, it's same thing. You know, he's, it's just been a little bit too late, you know, at that point for him. I mean, he has the resume and he has yes. the legacy that without question. But to me, though, that is just not in our time. If, you know, if we were the Bucks you know, or the, or the, or the, you know, or a team set up for this, you know, for a coach to just come in, be a guy, talk and, and get it done. That's one thing. We're not that we, we need that leadership. You need that coming around. I think what, you know, uh, Brock was, was kind of getting at 
for for Shane Steichen, I will say because I a think that Hertz is good. I would disagree with that. I think he is good because if you want if you want any indication about how good Hertz is, look at how they played when he was not on the field, mm-hmm. and look at the ways they lost those games or played in those games. And I get I, now. Granted, it was Garner Minshew. Yeah. Granted, it's Garner Minshew, but. <laughs> The thing with Steichen, though, I would say is that to me, though, again, it speaks to the same thing. Look at that how that offense played without Hertz on the field. Ineffective. It put up mm-hmm. points, per se, but the defensive coordinator, just as well, they let up a lot of points, even when Hertz wasn't on the field. If anything, for me, the only person I would want to take from the Eagles front office is their GM, because they put together a hell of a roster in two off seasons with the additions that they made, the trades they put together. I, that was the only person from the Eagles I would want. Ben Johnson, though, for me, if he turned if he turned Goff into a reputable quarterback that was nearly playoff bound once yeah. again, working with the likes of Amon Ross, St. Brown, and other wide receivers, you know, that would not be number ones on any other team. Josh Reynolds. Like, like no, that like that offensive coordinator is doing something right. And he was, you know, they were the one of the more dynamic and their defense left had left a little bit to be desired, but their offense was firing at all cylinders well into the beginning of the season. That dual running and he would be perfect. In our dual running back system with Foreman and Tuva, he did the same thing with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, made that work. Had Jamison Williams been healthy earlier on in the year, I mean, that was a lot more firepower coming into it. And I think you could get something like that for us. And, you know, for me, at least as a coordinator, in terms of who we're going to have at quarterback, if we go nothing at quarterback and you have Sam Darnold, uh, he, if he made Jared Goff work and look like a good quarterback, he can make Sam Darnold look like a, you know, a good quarterback. That's what I'm saying. We're a hell of a lot closer to the lions than the Eagles. I, Absolutely. I mean, if, if we had, um, AJ Brown, Vonta Smith, Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders on our team, I guarantee they'd make Sam Darnold look pretty good. So mm. I don't know. Look at, I will say, I, I mean, mean, we have, we've seen, he's done enough. I mean, sure. Although last, last week, he, last, last, yeah, week, last week he okay. hurt his, his, yeah. his, his <laughs> argument pretty bad. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. Yeah, That's where okay. I was going. The recency <laughs> bias says that he's the worst quarterback of all time. But uh, uh, I don't, I don't think that we, I think he's solid. I don't think he's like incompetent out there. We, if, yeah. if he's done enough with Ben McAdoo in the booth, like, calling QB draws on third and goal from the 12. Like, I, I mean, there's nothing much you can do with that. But um, to that point, I definitely think that a guy who's making the Lions look like a solid offensive football team is somebody that we need to pursue, and David Tepper has that money to pursue. Yeah, but here's, a, but here's another side to that, Brock. I get what you're saying, but to me, when you're talking about a head coach, yeah, it is the product on the field, but it's also building out your coaching staff. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about off OC. Oh, OC? I don't think he's coming to interview for an OC job. Why would he he's not. Right. We're talking, you don't we're... think he'd leave the Lions at all? No, no. Why would you? Why would you? I mean, Dan Campbell has those guys. The Lions haven't looked this good since, what's my man, the coach who had the sleepy eyes? Montoya, uh, the, the um, we had Barry Sanders. We had Barry Sanders. Um, uh, the old Hoy coach, I got to think of his name. I'm going to get it in a minute. They haven't looked that good since the days of Barry Sanders and those guys. Um, you know, Dan Campbell's brought back that that oomph in the in the, into the Lions organization. And Who wants this? But Johnson is not leaving that situation to go OC to OC. He's going to stay with the Lions. They they just beat the Green Bay Packers to put them out of the playoffs. 
Do you not realize what that means for him inside that Lions organization? I mean, you got to think of it. Like, in any, in every scenario possible, if this guy's got a wife and she's like, hey, can we please leave Detroit? I don't want to live here anymore. We can mm-hmm. go live in Carolina, which is a nice place. Yeah. Hell of a lot better than Detroit. So in a life aspect, I think that we're a very we're similar with the Lions. We might not be on the same trajectory just because of their coaching is really good. They're, I mean, Dan Campbell's the man. But um, I think that from a life standpoint and from a proving your worth standpoint, he can come here and, and show something, especially with how much David Tepper has in his bag. He's the second richest owner in the league behind um, Walton. I think is the only one that has more money than him. I, I I definitely think that there's an appealing job in Carolina for anyone. Yes, but I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping that to me, money isn't the selling point because that's no. the whole problem. That right. was the whole problem with rule. Sadly, that, it is. The whole, but 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 the whole problem with rule is the only selling point that he that Tepper could provide for the team was to give you a chance to be a head coach, and we're also going to give you the largest guaranteed contract and the longest contract for a head coach that has no college experience in NFL history. And what did that get you? I think for Tepper, it doesn't, it can't be about the money. Obviously pocket change for him. He, but, but he needs to think of it, not like pocket change because he, he can throw it around. If he wants to get his guy, he can get his guy, but he, I wanted to throw his money at a guy he wants to throw his money at, not at someone who just wants to get money thrown at them. We don't need Tepper does not need to be some cash machine that's sitting at the amusement park blowing dollar bills into the air. Like it's some it's it's got to be an investment. He's not treated this like a business investment. He's treated it like I can like sports doesn't have logic. I can throw as much money as I want and it's going to succeed because I throw money at it. It's a piggy bank. It's not a piggy bank. It's a plant that you got to feed and and water and nurture and and know when to stop and when to start. And I think that's why he's brought in his wife on. I know people are going to give it flack for the decision, but if she has that business backing and is his better half and more reasonable sense, you know, sensible second half, then by all means, bring her on. Don't let her make the final decision because I mean, she doesn't have yeah. that much of a, of, of, of a, of a <laughs> resume. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I mean, she no, but no, but no, no, but no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. No, that makes sense. I think, I think, I think you make a great point, which is why Wilkes is the best hire for Tepper at this juncture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, I think historically, Jack, you brought it up several times over. His business dealings in the area haven't gone well. His rapport with the city hasn't gone well. His reporting, his, his rapport with the neighboring state hasn't gone well. So everything that he's tried to, the only thing that's worked for him was kind of the, the Charlotte Football Club. But then he still he fired, the, fired the head coach, right? So, you know, he really doesn't have a good track record. I'll never forgive Tepper for firing a a soccer coach who went toe-to-toe with Chelsea and actually held their own against Chelsea, even if it is an exhibition game, before he fired Matt Rule. I will never – I can't – Exactly, exactly. He did? I'm not a soccer guy. I knew nothing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we came out – we won, like, I think it was eight or nine matches. Right off the in ground, our, right off the in ground. our inaugural right season, and right then drew the like five more, lost maybe yeah. through two or three times to LA Galaxy and New York Red Bull, two of the best clubs, and, and someone else, yeah, mm-hmm. two of the best clubs that are out there. And he inexplicably, it, no rhyme or reason, fired him. And and to this day, yeah. and, and we've recovered, but that's neither here nor there. And the other thing about yeah. it though is it's another reason why I don't think Ben Johnson would leave because the Lions fans and the Lions organization is 
to a fault loyal to their whoever's yes. on their team. They're to a fault loyal to whoever they have. They obviously want the Fords out of there and want no connection with the Fords anymore ever. But Ben Johnson, I don't think is going to leave that. He's got, like you said, he's got a good thing going there. And yeah. it would be a better opportunity, I'd say, for him. But he's going to be put right on the chopping block here because he's not Wilkes and because he's coming as an offensive-minded guy out of here. So for Tepper, the best option, like you said, to make the fans happy, to just not a safe option, but like just the most keep the locker room, man. Keep the locker room together, man. I mean, that's the main thing. Like, forget the fans, forget us. Like, I live on, I live and bleed Carolina Panthers on my heart, on my sleeve, on my car, on my hat, on my cups. Like, uh, forget the fandom, right? This is really about the people who go to work for you every day. It's kind of like when you go to work and you got a bad manager. Do you really want to go to work? Or are you finding ways to figure out ways to get around that job and just to get the job done and get out of there before five o'clock, right? So for me, yeah. if the team is brought in, they all want to do the extra work. They all want to come in and they all want to go to work together. They all want to be a part of this family. Wilkes is the glue. You go with Wilkes. But real quick, to go back to the coach I was talking about, his name was Wayne Fontes. Might be a little bit before you guys' time. He was the last coach at the Detroit Lions that had meaningful wins like Dan Campbell. I mean, he did have the great one of the greatest running backs that ever played the game. <laughs> but, you know, he did. Wayne Fontes was one, and then Jim Conwell would be the second when he had Megatron, right? So to that, yeah, to that, you've got a solidified coaching staff. Dan Campbell came in there with a boatload of trash. And what he's been able to do, what is it, his fourth year? It's like his fourth year, I think. Dan Campbell? I think it's only two, three, three. It's got three. Two. Yeah, yeah. But either way, I mean, it's less than five. Yeah. He's come in and he's turned them now, turned them around to be a viable, viable team to be reckoned with. And to be frank with you, I was nervous when they came to the bank. I was like, let's beat the Steelers and let's worry about the Lions. It was the opposite, the way it played out. You know what I mean? So. You know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on that. What I will tell you is just from a just from a simple mathematical standpoint, if Tepper's saying we need to build team camaraderie, we need to build a winning organization, I don't take mediocrity uh, lightly. You didn't get mediocrity with Steve Wilkes. Those guys came to work every day. They came to practice every day. They showed up at game time. They took accountability. They took responsibility. Most of all, and you heard it from Shaq, you heard it from Derek, you heard it from Dante, you heard it from Josh Norman, they believed in one another. And you cannot buy that, you cannot coach that. That comes with the embodiment of somebody that's coming in and people believe in that person and they want to run through a wall to your hundred percent. You know, so that's the that's the main thing we've got to keep in mind as we yeah. look forward to the twenty twenty three season. Mm -hmm. Football's an emotional game. And if you're not emotionally bought in, you're not going to win. And right. it's a dangerous game when you're playing like that. So I, I I just love the little bit of stability that these guys get to have. I I mean, I hope that the, the, the front office is on the same page as us, thinking that they have to lock Wilkes down. But if they do, I love the stability and the fact that these guys get to go a whole offseason thinking, wow, we have a chance and we have a guy that we like at the helm that can take us somewhere. Exactly. I mean, that's invaluable in what you could benefit from that. And it's talking about the nurturing and growing and continuing on with what you've done well. And I think that 
Tepper has been very, very quick to change the way he's done things or to try to, you know, go from one thing to the other, you know, not let things just say the way they should. Um, and I think this is something where he needs to take a step back and go, this is like the guy we need, like I said. And if, and if, and you know, Wilkes went in today and he had a, he said he had a plan in place and he had a pitch put in place for Tepper and hopefully it was a good one and a sensible one. And that allows for him to get guys that he wants at his coaching staff. Cause the problem is for this coaching position is that anyone who comes in after Wilkes is going to already have a target on their backs because they're not Wilkes, not only from the fan base, but from the team itself. I, I feel bad for whoever would come in because they were all riding for Wilkes and it's got to be tough as a candidate, you know, seeing all of this come out and knowing that these guys are behind Wilkes 100%. And as a coach, you always have to think, okay, I'm a leader of men as well. I can provide the same thing, but it's not going to be the same no matter what. And then if you're Wilkes, unfortunately, you don't have, I mean, you're going to get signed to, you know, uh, I would imagine Tepper's not going to do a seven year deal again. I, I can't no. imagine. Five times. Five times. I'm, I'm thinking, five times. I'm thinking he's going to go three, maybe four, four. Uh, Tepper seems to be the guy that I think he would give anybody else for. So I think he's going to give Wilkes four. I think he would give anybody else four at this point. I don't think he's one to just do a two year deal for a coach. Um, I don't think he would do that. So, and of course, again, you know, it's coming from how Fitterer is helping to craft the deal as well. We all got to think about that variable. But for for Wilkes, my biggest concern still is it's not that the timetable is it's it's almost sh it's shorter for the than the for the other candidates. You know, the 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 longevity after after hiring I think is shorter than for the other candidates, unfortunately, just because of it being his second tenure as a head coach, his second tenure with this team, and anytime you have an interim tag placed on you, that brings with it its own pros and cons. And so the biggest thing for him is finding, figuring out this offense is the, is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Al Holcomb, yeah. Al Holcomb, I question a little bit in some of his decisions, some of his, you know, like I said, it's tough to see. It's always been this thing with us. It's always like, okay, is the problem fitterer or is the problem rule? Is the problem our quarterbacks or is it our offensive coordinators? Is it our roster or is it our owner? You know, it's always been this thing of, what is it the chicken or the egg and and you have to wait it out to see what the problem is but unfortunately you won't know what the problem is until the problem has left or until a new problem has you know come in its way and so that's where i'm a bit worried for wilkes is that is the problem or i'm for uh for um for holcomb is the problem the is he a bad defensive coordinator or was it such a tumultuous up and down oh. year that he wasn't oh. able to implement what he wanted to do yeah jack that's what i wanted to get to right you you you, you were going where i wanted to go we got to give Wilkes, Holcomb a whole offseason to do what they want to do and implement, right? They came in the middle of a, of a trash heap, and they had to sift through the trash, figure out the pieces that worked, that they knew worked, put those pieces in place, and then let the players go out and do what they do. You give these guys a whole offseason. You rebuild the coaching staff to the needs that we need, and then let's give them a fair shot and see what happens, right? If we get to week middle of the season next year and it looks like this was a fluke, which I highly doubt, then we have another discussion, right? But I'm, I'm here to tell you, I think I think we talked about it. Then. The first game Wilkes took over was the first thing we all noticed. It was the actual attitude on the sideline. It was the engagement of the players on the bench. It was the engagement of the, of the coaches high-fiving as the players came off, players high-fiving each other. Four weeks, five weeks before that, what did you see on the sideline? Everybody's pouting. Shaq Thompson looking like he aged in front of our eyes. Sam Donald, who wasn't even playing, 
still looked confused on the sideline as he had the headphones in his ear. After 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 all of that calamity left, everybody looked sharp on the sidelines. Everybody looked engaged. So I, I want to give Wilkes and his staff that he puts together a whole offseason, a whole draft, a whole preseason, and then let's give him a full 18-week season. Let's see what he brings to the table. I got to tell you, with the with the opponents I see of us having next year, we got we got we got the NFC North and we got the AFC South. It's going to be a very interesting season. You got Trevor Lawrence coming in off of his best season with one of his with, with his coach. You've got the 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 Texans. Here's a sidebar, Brock. If we don't sign Wilkes, the Texans will come get Steve Wilkes. Mm-hmm. So imagine that we don't sign Wilkes. Wilkes signs with the Texans, comes back to the bank to play us at Kicks home. Oh my God, how ugly would that be, right? So, you know, oh. we've got to work through this process. I think we've got a schedule, not to say it's going to benefit us, but I think we've got a schedule that we can win and we can win and we can actually be where we can actually be in a better place at the end of the season than we were this year. Um, and I was looking at our schedule this year, as a matter of fact, as we talk about it, if we would have won that Browns game, the Giants game, the first Falcons game, we would have been in the playoffs. Easily. If we would have won, if we would have won those and won the Tampa Bay game and the Steelers game, we win the division. I mean, I mean it's we, so division if we got 40 rushing yards in that Steelers game. And guess what? Out of, out of all those losses, do you know? I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, we lost all those games like we normally do, six points or less. So imagine Wilkes being at the helm oh my God. earlier on. And what but, that motivation would have done for us. But the Steelers one wasn't wasn't like a, uh, at the end there we lost. The Steelers, we were crawling back at some garbage time true. touchdowns. Very true. We had some garbage time touchdowns. And then it was one of those, again, where like, oh, we have a chance to get two onside kicks and a touchdown. And then sure. we can get the game. Like, sure. we can get tied. That was another one of those outliers where I was. Ex- but we have one of those. We've had one of those a lot of times. But you're right. I mean, and it's upsetting, too, the fact that the Seahawks, one of the teams we beat—it was upsetting because the Seahawks and the Lions. If either of those teams had made it, mm-hmm. we had beaten both of those teams. The only team that we hadn't beaten in that would have been the Packers, or it would have been, you know, the the Cowboys, yep. and then the Giants we didn't beat, obviously. But it was upsetting because that last spot went to someone that we beat, and not like a oh, it was a cute we, we beat them. We beat them. That was no, one of our best. That was one of our mm-hmm. best games. But you talk about our schedule going forward too, because they look at it, the other teams across the NFL that we'll be lining up with. That's where it gets interesting too. You have outside the NFC North, and you'll have Dallas, and you'll have yep. Seattle again because we finished mm-hmm. number two, just like the rest of them. And we go to Seattle next year again. We go back to Seattle again. Next then it's year. I can't then wait. It's, then it's and then we it's, got Miami. Then it's I would say then we have Miami, we have Baltimore, and we have the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Our out of division, like the out of division teams that we play, um, mm-hmm. are tough. But the divisions that we're matched up with, I see a lot of wins. The NFC I, North is tricky. I, I the AFC South is too. The AFC North North South is too, though. The, 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 the Colts and the Jags don't. The Colts and the Jags. I mean, I'm sorry. The Colts and the, and the Texans don't scare me, no. regardless no, no, of no. they got a head coach. But no, no, no. and the Titans are as much as I do love the Titans. They are a crapshoot right now. They're a dumpster fire. They they play. They went. They they put their playoff hopes on Josh Dodd. You no, know, Jack. You know why they did that, right? They did that because they have to. They have to figure out. Is Dobbs even going to be on the team, right? Because Malik Willis is obviously going to be the number two now. How? 
he's. I get. I will give Wilkes a pass. I'll give Wilkes. I'll give. Uh, I will give Willis a pass because they have their offensive line this year has been the worst Gosh. since Gosh. in the in the last six seven years. But, they have been an absolute garbage. They were starting mm-hmm. two rookies. And Taylor Long was out for the year. It was a garbage offensive line. I mean, Derrick Henry couldn't even get going, and that should tell you everything you know about the Titans. Because even when their quarterbacks play bad, Derrick Henry, if he's healthy, still does well. No and questions. he was a no crapshoot. He wasn't even close this year to any rushing title or MVP. So the Titans, mm-hmm. it's not that Willis. I don't. I don't believe. I, it's not that I don't believe in Willis. If the Titans are smart, they put money on Lamar Jackson. They get him and try to run for the fences. Or Lamar goes home. Lamar goes home. If anything else, Lamar goes to Miami. That's my fear. Lamar goes to Miami if they don't sign. He goes home. I didn't think about that. Would, that I would. No one's stopping home. that. That's going to change how people draft. That's going to change how people set up their defense. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? The three fastest players, arguably, yeah. in the NFL. Lamar goes home. The if they don't sign him in Baltimore, mark my words, if they don't sign him in Baltimore, they're going to franchise him. Miami may make a, a trade for him. I don't know if they are. I don't know, Jack. You would be, you would be stupid. To not franchise, that's like us letting Cam go after his first franchise. Do you not remember us not t- tagging Josh Norman, <laughs> and it was because there was we're front office. Josh we never got talking about Josh Norman. But 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 it was because of front office issues with the player. And what do the Ravens have at the moment? Yeah, front huge. office issues with Lamar. No question. No question. Well, no question Lamar just proved everything he's been saying, though. He was yes. like, "Go go yes. rock with Huntley and see what happens." I mean, yeah. But yeah so that's what I'm saying. If they don't sign him. Lamar can very well, because he is his own agent, he will march his butt all the way back down to South Florida. And they don't, the two is, God, we hope, I hope retire. I hope, I hope he doesn't come back. I mean, just for his, just for his health. I, I think, I think after that Hamlin hit, if he doesn't talk in his life after that, I don't know what to tell you. I think I hope he's the next Chase Daniel, because he's such a nice guy. I want to see him around football. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, like I just hope he never sees the field again. Uh, he yeah, I agree. In his head, like, he'll be, he's got to go the RG three route. Go on SEC Network, start calling some games, do some color. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if Tua's got that in him. I don't know, uh, especially six plus concussions later. I don't know if Tua's got that in him. And listen, look, let's be hundred percent honest. We don't know how many concussions he came into the league with. That's what I mean, I'm saying. Who got yeah, beat up I'm, in college? He got beat up in college, man. Mm-hmm. That was not that was not a Bama team that had a good yeah. offensive line. Yeah, before yeah. his hip went, I watched a video of him, and they're saying that he uh, he had three, maybe four concussions going into the NFL. Yeah, so, yeah. That and then, that's not even talk about high school, Pop Warner, junior high school, all yeah. that stuff. But anywho, going going on to our so I think that it's a interesting but my the the rounding out point for this though and you're you're right Jason you need to give them that full schedule you need to give them that full season I agree with that the problem is is that that is in a in not only a business sense but an NFL sense that is a gamble not gambling based off of his merit because we've seen his merit we've seen his ability but just like basing your head coaching decision. Like that's a gamble for a quarterback. You know, we talked about it with Teddy Bridgewater. We talked about it with Baker Mayfield. We talked about it with Cam Newton. You know, you have to give him that full time. We always make that argument. He didn't have a full offseason. He didn't have a full time period. You know, he didn't have that full time. Geno Smith's talking about it. But give me a full offseason. Let me do what I can do. That's a gamble you put on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Putting that gamble on a head coach is a much different thing. And I just don't know if Tepper is a gambling kind of guy. Rule was a gamble, but that was he wasn't gambling. That was just a dumb decision. Like this is a gamble in and of itself. Johnson's a gamble, though, Jack. Johnson's a gamble out of out of Detroit. But it's a but it's a but think about the coaches that were out there when Rule was hired. 
You had oh no questions. We should have never had, let the enemy walk out the door. You had proven That's insane. Yeah. You had you had proven you had proven guys with experience and veteran leadership and guys that were out there. I mean, that was the, thing, the whole thing with Rivera. That's the whole reason Rivera went out the door is because he wasn't showing out enough. And there was a timetable on Rivera specifically outside of, you know, of, of, um, um, I can't remember the dude's name who was six, uh, Caldwell outside of Caldwell and Reich. He's the oldest candidate by far. There's a re I mean, you're looking at these guys and there's a reason it's more offensive coordinators. D'Amico Ryan, you know, would be your younger guy too on the defensive side of the ball, but they're all 35, 36, 45. They're on the younger side. Wilkes is 53, 57. I don't remember what I said. One of the Wilkes two. is 53. But the thing about it is, is again, Wilkes has the, his expiration date is sooner. His, he's running on his second tenure. I don't know if he's going to take that gamble on a guy that has an expiration date. You but, here's the, here's, 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 but Jack, here's the thing. If he doesn't, he damages so much more if he goes against Johnson and Johnson stays. I agree with you. He's, 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 bringing, he's pushing forward his expiration date as an owner <laughs> in this organization. He is because he yeah. will not get a chance to do this over again, I don't think. We that's, talked about – Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if he can go much longer with gambling and playing – late or not playing late into the season he's gonna have to i think his goal right now is to get a couple good seasons and just a couple seasons of meaningful football it doesn't mean we're gonna make the playoffs or do anything big but i think that he needs to show people that he can be a competent owner and it's not gonna be anything insane he might strike gold and get lucky but i think he's looking for a couple of competing nine to eight win seasons look at all i want from the man is just two winning seasons back to back that's all i want we have not done that we've never done that it's been 28 years that's all i want is just or however many years all i want is just two winning seasons back to back we have not had that and we're still we're not going to get it next season but we have a chance to get there and do that the next season and that is all i want he swept wilkes did what do you say he was going to do he swept had a great divisional record and yeah. should have swept the Falcons. And yes. I, we, the Bucks, he we lost. Should have swept the Bucks. We should have swept the Bucks. He lost that bar. Not that was that was an outright loss. That was a well, late. CJ Henderson lost that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brock. Thank I'm going to say it. Thank I don't you, care. Brock. He gave up thank three touchdowns to the man. I said it before the game. If J.C. Horn's in that game, we can get rid of Mike Evans and just not, not think about him. But I, as but as a coach, Brock, you have to work with those variables. You bring in my biggest qualm. We talked about it last Josh week. Josh you you Norman bring Josh Norman in. If, say he's going to play twenty snaps and he plays two. That's <laughs> that's a that's a coaching mistake right there. That is yeah. a coaching mistake. But my also, but, but Jack, was he? I think I don't know if that was all coaching. I don't know if Josh was truly ready. You think you think Josh you, coffee shop? You but you think. Josh Norman is going to tell a coach, "Hey, I can't play." Yeah. I'm no, not. no, 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 no. I'm saying they not... watched him. They watched him and was like, "Yo, you missed a step and, here. You missed a step there." That kind of thing. And they haven't seen CJ do that all season. I mean, look at the the tape is there for John. I'm just. And yeah. then the only other qualm I have is that again with Brady, like we talked about, we saw it in that last drive, that very last drive where you needed the ball back from Brady. You do the double A gap blitz. You put Brady on his butt. Ball turns over. We get the ball. We have a chance. Where was that all game? I understand you had bat. You you could not trust your defensive backs, but you, if you can't trust your defensive backs, then what's the point of then what's the hurt of running a blitz? What's the hurt of sending four or five guys if you can't trust your if you need if they can't get three seconds of coverage, then you need to make sure that he throws it in less than three seconds or does not have three seconds to throw it. And that to me again was an issue of will. But that's where the question comes again. Was it a Wilkes issue? Was it a Holcomb issue? 
who is running, you know, who is pulling the strings. And I think that's where you get that variability of going, okay, we need to know what this is. And so I'm interested to see what Wilkes is presenting him as a yeah. plan. Here's my, here's my offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Here's my question to both of you. Would you be willing to come off of Dante Jackson? I would. Meaning to what? drop him? Not drop I'm, him, but trade him. I mean, it, it just depends on what we get for him because I honestly don't think that he's – by any means an untouchable guy or a guy we can't get rid of like a Derek Brown or a Brian Burns, but I don't want to get rid of him for another third round pick. Like it, I just, he's not worth What about, not, what about, what about a second and a third? This year? No, no, because we can put him in a slot corner. If we get another guy, if we get another guy that we can trust, we could put him in a slot corner and that would be disgusting. That was the original, some of the pressure off, off of, uh, um, what's his name? CJ Henderson, whoever we have it at three. No, CJ Henderson's gone. Henderson. Well, Henderson. this is yeah, <laughs> I hope was, so. But see, but if you trade Dante, then J, then CJ can't be gone because look at them right back in the rabbit hole of not having any depth at defensive back. That's the whole reason we're not in the playoffs right now is because we still don't have like. Granted, we have better depth than we had in years past. We have at least reputable depth that weren't just special teams players because that's what our depth has been. In, in years past, and that is where my issue becomes is that you can't really afford to get rid of any cornerbacks at this mm -hmm. moment. Now, if we're going to say someone like, and I'm going to get crucified from Panthers fans, maybe not as much as I would have last year, but if we're putting up Jeremy Chin on the trading block and we think we can get something for him, I'm willing to make that jump. I'm will, I'm will, I am. I, because what, 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 Chin? what good did he do you this year? Okay. He what didn't good? play his position. He got injured. He, he didn't play his position, and he's injured. If he's in the box like he should be as a sub-linebacker guarding so, only then, tight ends and but then we, that means we, But that means we need another free safety. That means, we're, again, you lose the depth. I was, But my point – I was going to make a point. We could trade back, and there's a lot of safeties and defensive backs yeah. around the 10 to 15, 10 to 20 range that we can snag, and we've seen that those guys have, pl have played out pretty well. Uh, like I, I guarantee we could find a safety from Bama that can do us well in coverage. Ohio State, any, yeah. any, any, any of those guys. I would agree with you. I just get you know or that guy. That guy's a beast. Yeah, you're he's gonna, a beast. You're gonna get you when you have this. Like it's gonna be good if you get all these guys to be good all at the same time. But the problem with that is you have to wait for that development. You get all these young guys. There's no one in that building, in that room, that has outside of Xavier Woods that has more than five, six years of experience. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you trade away Dante, and I'm not saying Dante's experience by any means, but you look at how it affects your rookies. Look at what Cameron Irving, unbelievably, the impact he played on Icky. I think Icky had a great season because he had a guy like Cameron Irving behind mm -hmm. him saying, hey, this is the things you got to do. This is how you can do this better. Josh Norman, we saw it. When uh, when Franklin got that pick, or it was a pick or a fumble, I can't remember which one of the two. It was, or it was a big fumble. hit. I can't remember what he did, but the first person to come up to him was Josh Norman and say, "Dude," like, and and that was the first veteran leadership you'd seen on the defensive back group in a long time. Now Burris played his part when he was on the team, not on the practice squad, because he has that ability in there too. And so I'm not saying that you know you want to get rid of. That I don't want to get rid of Chin, but I I don't know if you can get rid of any defensive backs right now because whoever you bring on. If you draft someone, that's another guy who's been in there for two years, and you're starting two guys that have been there for two years, and JC hasn't played a full season. He hasn't yeah. played 18 weeks of no, football. No, I get it. No, I get it. The only reason I said that is because you know you know what my call was at the beginning of the year. No action. 
You know what I mean? I know and it, and, and I agree with that. But we saw the impact of not having Jackson out on that field. Yeah, you yeah, we had CJ Henderson. We had CJ Henderson. Now, if you get somebody better than CJ Henderson, I got a cousin down in Georgia <laughs> that I can put back there. He's, he's about to leave high school, and I guarantee you, he would have not let Mike Evans get that open on him three times. But that's what I'm saying. You look, look where CJ was drafted. Now, obviously, he did. He, he was impacted in Jacksonville a different way in terms of how he's developed. But when we brought him on, we knew what we were getting. That was basically a third round corner. You knew you were getting a third round corner. So you want to go for another third round corner or is your best available no, no, a corner? No, I just, listen, I was just playing devil's advocate because you oh, know I, how I am about Dante Jackson. You know how I am about Dante Jackson. I think I they would have so traded many calls. So I think if they were the problem also is that you're not going to get to trade a cornerback off of an injured injured season that you True. know very I mean Gilmore couldn't get a good deal off of an injured season and that's the best cornerback that we've seen and I still think that we should have kept him that was again one of Federer's biggest mistakes was letting him go mm-hmm. and you know no matter what his issues with rule were but that's where it's like again you have these so that's where the draft's going to be really interesting and that's where we hope that this court the coaching decision is taken care of by that mm-hmm. time, but it's also not something that they can rush. They have to take their time with it and they have to, you know, evaluate all the different options. So it's going to be very interesting to see going forward what all they do. And then that, like, this is, this is the biggest decision that the Panthers fan base and the Panthers mm-hmm. franchise has been met with in quite some time. I outside of maybe hiring John Fox. And even that doesn't really, I mean, that was a pretty, you know, no, it was George Seifert. It was George Seifert. It was George Seifert. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but but I mean, outside, let me let me rephrase that. Outside of hiring Ron Rivera, because that was a huge oh, that change. Huge. That was a huge change in your in your in your franchise and in your and for Jerry Richardson to make that call too, being the last one. That was the last guy I'd expect to have made that call. If Jerry Richardson was in the seat right now, Wilkes would have been hired yesterday. We know that. Well, look, it remains to be seen. I just want to be devil's advocate for the last for the last one of the regular season. You know, I had to you know I had to throw the monkey wrench in the inside of the game, right? Absolutely. We, we need to do that because we got nothing else to talk about. It's crazy. We kind of got the best, best of both worlds. We fought for the playoffs. We were right there in the cusp of it and still didn't fall mm-hmm. out of the top 10, which is pretty much your best case scenario if you're an NFL mm-hmm. franchise to play That's for right. the playoffs, have week 18 or week 17 football matter and then knock it out of top 10. That's that that's pretty good to, to go. So, but of course, until then, all we can do is keep waiting and keep pounding.